Amen? All right, we are not ignorant. We're going to jump right into the sermon this morning, right into the word, good news of a strong Jesus. Good news of a strong Jesus. But let's start here. Hear me this morning before we even get into the text. I just, I just, I just believe that as I was preparing the sermon this week, that uh, I just wanted to start here and just remind us of some things this morning. Some of you, some of us have been in a spiritual battle. Some of you are in a spiritual battle. Some of you are currently right now fighting a spiritual battle. Some of us in this house this morning, we have been fighting against the enemy, against the devil. And, and even maybe this morning, maybe just to get to church today, you had to fight against the enemy. Hear me, church, today. Hear me. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what any preacher says. How, no matter how popular that preacher may be. I don't care how many times he's been on TV, how many times he's spoken on the news. I don't care how big his church is or how many city blocks it takes up. Hear me this morning. We are in a spiritual battle, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Amen? Against this present darkness, against rulers and authorities in heavenly spiritual places, against the domain of darkness, against hell and the forces of the demonic. And in Christ Jesus, we take up our spiritual weapons against these demonic forces. So yeah, you're kind of, what are you doing talking about demons today? I'm talking about demons right now because Jesus is going to cast out some demons in our chapter this morning, in Luke chapter 11. And if Jesus deals with demons, guess what? We're going to deal with demons. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says this, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a, get a stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in that evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with truth, excuse me, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet, sandal with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one that tells me that the enemy is going to be shooting arrows. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Listen, we would not be given weapons to fight if we were not in a battle. Anybody with me this morning? We would not be given instruction about our weapons and on our weapons if we were not intended to use these weapons. We would not have been given kingdom authority and Pentecostal power over the demonic spiritual forces if we were not to war against them because they are warring against us. Not by power, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. See, it's not my own strength, it's not my own power, it's not my own wisdom, it's not my own might that I resist against the devil. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. You and I, church, you and I will not has broken in our own strength. And you and I will not tear down what the enemy has built up in our own strength. We need someone stronger than the enemy. We need someone stronger than ourselves. We are in a spiritual battle. And so before I even get into our text, 
two, he says, anyone you forgive, I do too, for what I have forgiven, if I've forgiven anything, it's for your benefit and the presence of Christ so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his scheme. We must recognize that the enemy has schemes and strategies against the people of God. The enemy has schemes and strategies. It's not just haphazard. The enemy has a plan to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We need to recognize Satan's strategies and schemes. And think about the names of Satan in the Bible. He's called the destroyer or abaddon. He's called the god of this world, the accuser, the great dragon, the adversary, the lawless one, the destroyer, the liar, murderer, deceiver, belial, prince of power of the air, the devil, the ruler of this world, the enemy, Satan, the evil one, the serpent, the father of lies, the tempter. These are names attributed to the enemy in scripture and they reveal something about his character and the thing they reveal most about his character is that he longs to see destruction for the people of God. And so he schemes and he plots and he plans. And I know I have mentioned this book before, but if you just download this book and just read the table of contents, you will be ready to do some spiritual battle. A book called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. It talks about the ways that Satan is the tempter and he is attacking and he is plotting and he is scheming against the people of God. The book was written by Thomas Brooks. He talks about the way the enemy attacks, whether it's through the ordinary demonic or extraordinary demonic. And I hope that I'm not freaking you out this morning. But we're just going to talk about what God talks about in the Bible. Sexual sin. Sexual sin. That is a way the enemy schemes against the people of God. What is sexual sin? Sexual sin is any sexual activity outside of God's created intent of one man and one woman for life in marriage. Another way the enemy attacks is through false religion or false teaching or false Jesuses. Bitterness, foolishness, drunkenness, idle gossip, busybodying, lies, idolatry. But then there's what the Puritan he called extraordinary demonic. And when Satan would torment, there would be physical injuries or false miracles we see happen in the book of Acts. Or accusation and condemnation. Thoughts of, of destruction. Again, church, we are in a spiritual battle against a strong man, the devil. Who is scheming and plotting and strategizing the destruction of God's good creation. Sin has broken us. Jesus has come to bring life and to restore us. But Satan is at actively at work against the world and against the people of God. And we must fight against the enemy. We need a stronger man. 
fighting against hell, death, and the grave. We need Jesus. He has all authority and power, and he has conquered hell, death, and the grave. We are fighting against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and so we need Jesus because at, at his name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, that he is master, that he is authority, that he is God, that he is king. We need Jesus because Jesus has authority over the kingdoms of the world and the domain of darkness. We need Jesus, church. And so we're going to get into our text this morning. Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 14 through verse 33, is one event in Luke. One event. It actually is even goes beyond verse 33, but that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to start by looking at verses 14 through 23. So you got your Bible open. You will be in Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 14. Let's read it together. It says, now he was driving out a demon, that's Jesus, he was driving out a demon that was mute. And when the demon came out, the man who had been mute spoke. And the crowds were amazed, but some of them said he drives out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And others, as a test, were demanding of him a sign from heaven. The verse starts in verse 14. Now, he was driving out a demon when the demon came out. Hear this. Jesus has authority over the demonic. Amen? The demon may have resisted Jesus, but the demon could not stop Jesus. If it was on Sports Center, the demon could have hoped to contain him, but the demon could not stop him, right? He could only hope to contain him. But you cannot contain Jesus. Jesus has the final word. The demonic bow to Jesus. The demonic submit to Jesus. The demonic stand in judgment to Jesus. When the demon came out, the man who was mute spoke. Because Jesus changes things. Jesus changes us. Jesus changes our situation. Jesus changes our nature. Jesus changes who we are. And Jesus changes what the enemy had bound in us. Jesus delivers us. Jesus reverses the curse. Jesus puts things right. Jesus reverses the schemes and the plans of the enemy, and Jesus sets things in order. There was transformation in this man. There was new speech in this man. There was change. What the enemy had silenced was silent no more. When the demon came out, the people were amazed. The crowds were astonished. When the demons came out, some folks called Jesus a devil. a sign that he was from God. We'll get back to that sign in a little bit. But they said, maybe it's maybe by the devil you cast out devils. Kingdom divided. Kingdom divided. In verse 17, knowing their thoughts, he told them, every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction, and a house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say, I drive out demons by Beelzebub. And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus calls them out on their hypocrisy and their illogical charge. Why would Satan drive out Satan? Why would Satan give up ground? Why would Satan release this man that he held in bondage? Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Satan does not give 
because Satan knows he will never again regain that ground. When Jesus advances against hell, hell always loses. And if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom is headed for destruction. Satan is not ignorant. The fact that Jesus, the fact that Jesus was driving out demons by the finger of God is evidence that the kingdom of God had come. The kingdom of God had come. And Jesus is saying, stop fighting against God. Stop fighting against God. The kingdom of God is here. And Jesus is going to explain this division and this kingdom of God in this parable of a strong man in verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his estate, his possessions are secure. But when one stronger than he attacks and overpowers him, he takes from him all his weapons he trusted in and divides up his plunder. Anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. Now, in this illustration Jesus gives, this little parable Jesus gives, there's a strong man guarding possessions, and there's a stronger man who comes and plunders from the strong man. In this illustration, the devil is the strong man. Those in darkness and in sin and in bondage, they are his possession. He has them guarded. He has them sealed. He is fighting against them. He is, he is keeping them from being free. They are his possession. He has them secure in his domain of darkness. But in this parable, in this illustration, there's also a stronger man. The stronger man in this illustration, guess who that is? Jesus. Jesus is able to expel demons because he has bound Satan, the strong man. He is able to free those in the domain of darkness because he has overpowered the strong man. Satan was powerless to prevent him from doing what he came to do, to proclaim the, the gospel, to demonstrate the gospel, to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. Satan house represents the sinful world, which until the coming of Christ had no power. But Jesus has come. The stronger man has come to plunder the house of the enemy and to rescue the people for the kingdom of God. Jesus has come. He snatched you out of darkness. He snatched you out of the kingdom of darkness. He has rescued you and delivered you over to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You are the plunder of God. Rescued, redeemed, righteous. The weapons Satan trusted in are powerless against Jesus. Satan tempted, we see in the wilderness, Satan tempted Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says that those temptations were, were common to man, that we were, he was tempted just like we are, yet he was without sin. He did not give in to sin. The best weapons that Satan had were powerless against Jesus. Temptation, powerless against Jesus. We see him in the garden, in the wilderness, being tempted. Temptation was powerless against Jesus. 
fear. That's another one of Satan's greatest weapons. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. But he says, not my will, but your will. Fear would not stop stop Jesus and death would not stop him. Jesus defeated hell, death, and the grave. The best weapons in Satan's arsenal were rebuffed and rebuked by Jesus. And Jesus takes the plunder. He sets captivity captive. He frees us from bondage. He has gone on a rescue mission. chapter 1, verse 13, Jesus has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loved. The strong man, church, is no match for the Son of God who is stronger, who is better, who is greater, and who is more beautiful. We have been set free by the stronger man. And we are now kingdom of God people, and there is no Stay bound or you walk in freedom. Jesus would say it this way, you're either with me or you're against me. Right? You're either with me or you're against me. Luke chapter 11, verse 23. Anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. There's no middle ground. You either belong to the strong man or you belong to the stronger man. Jesus, or you are against Jesus. You either gather with Jesus or you scatter. What what does that mean, scatter? Jesus is telling these challengers, these ones who have come up against him, ones who are, are fighting against him. Jesus is telling them if they don't join him in gathering, in rescuing people from darkness, you hear that? If they don't join him in the gathering, then they are guilty of scattering them, of pushing them away from the kingdom of heaven. Either you affirm Jesus and his teaching and his work of redemption, or you are pushing people away from the kingdom of God and his life. You're either with me or against me, Jesus. Darkness doesn't drive out darkness. continues this thought about with me or against me, and he puts it this way. He talks about clean but empty. Clean but empty in Luke 11, 24. When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through waterless places looking for rest. And not finding rest, he then says, I'll go back to my house that I came from. Returning, it finds the house swept and put in order. 
Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and settle down there. As a result, the person's last condition is worse than the first. I need you to hear this. I need you to, 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 to zone in and, and tune in to this with me. Scripture says that Jesus came first to the Jew, to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as he received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Jesus came to clean the house of Israel. And they could receive or they could reject. And Jesus can put things in order, but if but if he's not made the Lord of the house, then their condition will be worse. Jesus came and he can put things in order, but if they don't make him Lord of the house, their condition will be worse. I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 30. And this is a, this may be a, 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 a troubling passage for some of you this morning, but Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 30 says this, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised, that's Jesus, since Jesus is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. You've, you've read that. Maybe you've stopped there. And, and that, that's, a, that's a very a familiar passage, and we often do stop there when reading it, encouraging one another to, 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 to keep going to church, to keep staying plugged in, to keep being who God's called you to be. And, and that's a it's an important verse, but it goes on. We, on Wednesday nights, we're talking about, we've been talking about how to read the Bible. And we've been talking about reading the Bible in context and not just stopping when a verse stops, but picking up the whole passage to understand. So if we continue going, it says, For if we deliberately go on sinning, Continue to love one another and provoke one another to good works and to gather together in church and in worship and in fellowship because the Lord is going to return. But if we continue to go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. Anyone who disregarded the law of Moses died without mercy based on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who is trampled on the Son of God, who is regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and who has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know that the one who has said, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people. I want you, I want you to... to, to, to the parallel here between Jesus in Luke chapter 11 and the writer of Hebrews chapter 10. Remember, the writer of Hebrews has the Hebrew people, the Jewish people in mind when he writes the book. They're his, they're his target audience. And so what the writer says is that if we continue in deliberate sin, if we do not confess when we sin, if we don't live 
means if we ignore the Spirit's conviction, we are in danger of judgment. We either are for Jesus or we are against Jesus. Now, I am not saying that if we sin, if we confess Christ, that we're hopeless. I'm not saying, I, I, I am saying that if we deliberately continue in sin, we are on dangerous ground. Receive that conviction, confess that sin. Because John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, My little children, I'm reminding you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. So hear me, church, you are not hopeless. But you have to choose. You either for him or against him. For me or against me, Jesus is telling you. And Jesus states it a different way a few verses down when responding to an affirmation from a woman in the crowd. He was saying these things in Luke chapter 11, verse 27. A woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you. And he said, rather blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it, hear it and keep it. For me, against me, hear it, keep it. Jesus is saying it's not enough just to hear his word. It's not enough just to be in the presence of those who love the word. Blessed are those who hear the word You must keep the word. You must love God. You must love others. You must keep yourself from sin. You must live out your faith. Those are the ones who will be blessed. Those are they that walk in peace and hope and love and faith. And as Ellison read this morning, those are the ones who will receive water and the tree will grow and be strong. Follow Jesus. conversation, all of this teaching has happened and is in the context of something that was said by the crowd. When the crowd said, give us a sign, Jesus is like, hold up, hold up, you're either for me or you're against me. You're either cleansed and set free or you're still walking in darkness. They demanded a sign and when they demanded a sign, Jesus went off on this teaching. Remember verse 16 of chapter 11, as others said, as a test, we're demanding him a sign from heaven. Get down to verse 29. Jesus has been teaching on all of this. And verse 29 says this, and as the crowds were increasing, he began saying, this generation is an evil generation. It demands a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign for the people of Nineveh, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, someone 
something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. So they demanded a sign. Verse 16. And then Jesus says, you're either for me or you're against me. Jesus says, a house divided is against itself won't stand. Jesus says, I'm the stronger man who plunders the property of the devil. Here's your sign, Jesus is saying. I am your sign. That I defeat the enemy is your sign. That I cast out demons is your sign. That I will defeat the brave and conquer hell is your sign. I am your sign. No greater sign needed. As Jonah was in the fish for three days before he preached deliverance to the people of Nineveh, I will be in the belly of the earth for three days and deliver those who are enslaved in sin. I will plunder the enemy. That's your sign. As Nineveh had to repent, you will have to repent. That is your sign. Death and resurrection, that is your sign. That the tomb is empty, that is your sign. It's our sign of hope. It's our sign of freedom. It's our sign of faith. It's our sign of trustworthiness. Jesus is our sign that there is hope and there is freedom and there is victory over darkness in Christ Jesus. Jesus is all the sign we need to know that we can have confidence in our Savior. Listen. He talks about the Queen of the South traveling a long distance to hear the wisdom of Solomon. It says that unless you repent, unless you listen to me, unless you listen to my words and my wisdom, that, that, that queen of the south, she's going to stand in judgment over you because you're not, going, you're not listening to my words. She, under, she knows what wisdom is. She knows that I speak wisdom. And if you don't repent, if you don't listen to my, vo my voice, she's going to stand in judgment over you. The people of Nineveh, the people of Nineveh will stand in judgment over you. Those who reject Jesus will be stand in judgment because Jesus is greater than Jonah. Hear me, church. Those who are against Jesus will ultimately bow their knee to him. Philippians, right? Chapter 2. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Satan is powerless to hold on to those who have been delivered by Jesus. There is a stronger man. Son of God. Jesus the Christ is stronger, better, and more able to deliver you from the strong man that has held you, that has bound you, that has kept you from walking in grace and freedom and love and life. Jesus is the stronger man that has purpose and life for you. And if you need a sign, the sign is the empty a stronger man. His name is Jesus. Look at the empty tomb. Death, hell, and the grave could not hold him. There is hope for you. There is a stronger man 
is a stronger man. And we pray that you would help us and in the choice of our lives. Will you serve him? Picture with me a, a prison. And inside that prison are all of us. We are all in this, we are all imprisoned with darkness and sin and fear and bondage. We are all in prison. The strong man is guarding. As his guards that walk up and down the cells. The strong man is, is protecting against escape. But there's a stronger man inside. And we read it in First John a moment ago that Jesus isn't just the or the atonement of our sin, but also the sin of the whole world. And so this death of Jesus is an invasion against the prison cell. And this stronger man, because of his death, has unlocked every cell. He has bound up the strong man. He has disarmed the prison guards. And every cell has been unlocked. And Jesus says, stay in prison. But the prison warden has been bound and every guard has been disarmed.
Jesus does, is when you open that cell, you are transferred from a domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved one. You are saved, child of God, adopted in the family. You have an advocate, not an adversary. You have one that fights against the enemy for you, not one who fights to keep you from fighting. You have one who is defending you against the accusations of your past, not one who is hurling accusations at you. You are transferred, you are changed, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are no longer the guilty, you are the innocent in Christ Blessings and curses. Choose life that you may defend it. Walk out of the sinner. Walk out, shake off the chains, and walk in freedom and liberty. The child of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. told them there's no hope for freedom, there's no hope to be out of the cell, there's no hope to, to be all out of the chains, there's no hope to walk in freedom and life, there's no hope to live in victory, there's no hope to live in, in the love of God. The enemy has bound them and has lied to them, the chains have been broken, the, the prison cell has been unlocked, but the enemy keeps telling them that they can't leave. In the name of Jesus, they can walk out.
joy in my salvation. I want forgiveness. I want to walk in the light as he is in the light. I don't want to walk in the self. I don't want to live in the self anymore. I can try to make it look as pretty as I can. Try to make it look like home, but it is ne- not and never will be home. I don't want to be in the cell anymore. The cell of temptation, the cell of fear, the cell of sin, the cell of Thank you. 